Yo, 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 welcome to another episode of To Be Honest TBH. I'm your boy, Devon, a.k.a. Murph McGirt. We're here with Nate, a.k.a. Wallflower, Nadia, a.k.a. Face Beat. And this is our election episode. Uh, right now, currently, it is 8.15 where I'm at in the uh, CST uh, 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 in Texas. Uh, as of right now, the election has not been called. Joe Biden currently has 264 electoral college votes, uh, comparable to uh, Joe Biden's, uh, uh, the, the Donald Trump's 214 electoral college votes. And uh, there's some scenarios for him to win. Nadia, tell the people what you need them to hear. I just need Nevada to hurry the fuck up because I'm over this shit. I hate this uh, election. It is the ghetto. It's the epitome of our segment today. I've hated every stupid, mundane, childish, brain cell losing ad that is plagued and polluted each of my YouTube views. Fuck every single person who had my number without my permission asking me about when I'm about to vote or not. Fuck everyone for these grotesque and emotionally coercive imageries forcing me to vote. I... Thankfully, you know, I was pretty lucky. It took me less than 10 minutes to vote because I voted on election day. But I literally was just like, here, nigga, damn, when it came to this, like, vote. I didn't even want to participate. I just did it so niggas would leave me the fuck alone. My house, everyone's screaming every five seconds where shit is at. I'm just over it. I'm happy you voted, my nigga. You in Gwinnett County, yo. Georgia might flip this time, cuz. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Georgia's been 49-49 for since Bush, since Carrie v. Bush. All right, so if it flipped, right, what you going to do on the next episode? You going to sing or something? If it flips, I'm just going to be like, it was me, Nadia Hussein, who changed the South. And like, I'll just claim all the credit because it was my little vote that changed it. But I really don't believe it. I, I don't believe it. I don't know what I'll do if I'm wrong. I guess be pleasantly surprised, but nah. You gotta sing a song. You gotta pick. You gotta sing a Migos song. No. You gotta pick a pick an Atlanta artist of your choice, and you gotta sing one of their songs. If y'all, if y'all flip blue. If I do, it's gonna just be Welcome to Atlanta. Or be like Georgia. Yeah, that is. Nah, I'm just like yo, 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 yo. <laughs> Welcome to Atlanta, where the players play. Bet listeners, put it on your calendar next week. Nadia with the Welcome to Atlanta remix post Democratic at Georgia. <laughs> I won't, I, it won't happen though, y'all. It won't happen. All right, nigga. Nate, what's good with you? What are you thinking? Uh, originally, I had a lot of the same feelings as Nadia because there's no, I didn't feel like there was a real reason for me to vote because I live in Maryland. It has a small amount of electoral college votes, only I think that's 10. And then 90, like 9% of the time goes Democratic. Like literally every single federal election is usually Democratic. So I was getting all this shit about like the right to vote from also for my family and just from people in general. I just knew like numbers wise, statistics wise, there was no real purpose of me doing it. But I went and voted. I did it. Why not? You know, I do think that I think honestly, Nevada slides Democratic. I think it's really a, a small percentage. But as I'm following these numbers, we're talking like 8,000, a little under 8,000 now votes between Trump and Biden. It's only like a few different like uh, places in Nevada to count up, and they're close to big cities. 
So they're talking about them being a lot of working class people there. And I think because of uh, all of how Donald Trump dealt with COVID, that he's not really winning a lot of the working class votes anymore. You can tell in Wisconsin and Michigan, and there's a lot of working class white people who transition to like sad, sad, sad Joe Biden voters who are just like, you know, I still don't have my unemployment. I feel like Joe, I feel like a uh, Democrat probably would have handled COVID a little better. We would have at least gotten more social resources because that's what all those Democrats care about is fucking socialism. <laughs> but yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm really exhausted about it. It's super ghetto. Of all the years I remember watching like presidential elections, I never remember it taking this fucking long. Everyone's on TV like, oh, we're so efficient. We've never been this efficient. We've never had a smoother election process. I'm just like, it's going to take like three days. How the fuck is that smooth? I don't remember. Obama got elected. I feel like it was like an it's hour. Immediate. I didn't even stay up for the Obama second election. I was like, I'm going to take a nap. He got it. The sun was still out, I think, in the pictures when Obama walked out. The sun's out. And he's I, I couldn't vote then. I was trying to remember if I did vote, but I couldn't vote at that time. But I was I was to bed. I was like, he got it. He got like, it. Hillary Clinton, I had the same approach, but she didn't have it. She did, not have it. she did not have it. I woke up at 2 a.m. though, and it was very definitive that she had got it. We're waiting on it, but like I feel like it's a combination thing. Because like, of course, it's COVID, but I think it's, it's COVID coupled with the fact that states like voting policies have not been updated enough to deal with catastrophe or disaster. And so like states do dumb shit like we're t- we'll get all of the ballots mailed in, but we won't start counting them until election day. Like, what kind of dumbass shit is that? Why would you do that? Like, why would you waste time that way? You could have been started counting all That's what Pennsylvania is doing, because the, the interviewer was asking the Pennsylvania district attorney, not district attorney, attorney general, about the voting process and, and the governor. And he was like, yeah, apparently all other states are allowed to count votes as they come. They're like, we literally have to wait until everything is done. And I was like, what? There's like four big cities in Pen- in Pennsylvania. I was like, you wait that long? Yeah, it's because it's because a lot of the Republican state legislature made it that way. So that like, I think Bernie Sanders was saying that um, a lot of Republicans are, are more likely to vote in person in the polls and a lot of Democrats were more likely to mail in. So I think they were, one, it's like a voter suppression type of tactic where they're trying to fuck up those types of votes. But then also, I think it's to kind of give this Trump discourse legitimacy about mail-in ballots being a fraud, like, so that he could be like, I'm winning big, I'm winning huge. It's crazy that. Great. I'm president. It's crazy that it's a fraud simply because it took another extra day. It was like, that extra day or two? Fraud. It's like, nigga, what? It's It's crazy how like when and when when they do count fraud and when they don't count fraud. Like the shit that happened in Georgia with the governor election, not fraud. Mm -hmm. This shit fraud. Like you The story would literally be a man was caught running with a box full of democratic votes. (laughs) And they're like, that's not fraud. Even last year, or not last election, like the NAACP in North Carolina, that one of the heads was like fighting hard as fuck to save these votes. And you lost them, people. And they were just like, nope, too bad. Fuck you. I feel like Georgia was beyond fraud because the nigga who was in charge of the election committee was the nigga running. Like, how y'all miss that? Like, how did the state government allow yeah, no, They were literally throwing away ballots. I didn't even vote because I was like, just like, they're going to throw it away. <laughs> like, 
for the dumbest shit. They was like, I saw it one time. It was like they threw it away because the 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 color of the pen was blue, not black. Yeah, like, what kind of dumbest is that? Yeah, the primary one. My sister bullied me into voting for the primaries, and they threw away my vote. Mm. Uh, something about like it being off or whatever, and I was just like, I'm not about to redo this shit. Fuck it. It reminds uh, me of uh when when Trump was like, I'm just gonna sue sue sue. It reminds me when I like lost class presidency in like sixth grade, and I was just so pissed because I lost by like a couple votes, and I was like, "Fuck this, fuck this, fuck this!" Like I was, I was a like, gracious loser. I was like, "It's okay." No, I was, I was the opposite the of a gracious anyway. loser. I didn't give a fuck because it was like those experiment things. So I was, I was like, like I "You didn't... suck. Everyone here sucks. This class sucks." I was like, "This is Rick. This is Rick." It's because he's like y'all like him more because he's like pretty and light skin. I went off wow. the rail, accused people of things. <laughs> Is that I'm why like, they voted for you, Devon? Against Nate? Yeah, they're just like, he's so pretty and light-skinned, and we're just not going to vote for the real. And I was like, you don't want to vote for me? I was not the class president. I was actually the class treasurer. Niggas uh-huh. trusted me with the bread. They ain't trust me running this, the show. They just trusted me with the bread. I was class president in high school, literally because our class president got suspended, and they took away his class presidency. And we were in the senior meeting, and they were like, does anybody want to be the class presidency? And my uh, friend got up, pointed at me, and said, "How about my friend Nate?" And everyone was like, <laughs> "Okay." <laughs> that was worthy. That was it. <laughs> but also, speaking of voter suppression, I don't know if y'all saw this, but there was like footage in Detroit of about a bunch of Trump stands or like just white people. I'm not sure where I they saw were. that. They were like banging on where people vote counters were happening and were like, stop the count, stop the count, like to stop Detroit from flipping Michigan. And I'm like, that's not voter suppression. And I don't know if you've seen, there's like a video in Nevada. This man is like in a mask just talking about, oh, we're not done counting, da 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 da. And it's this white man with beer, no, barbecue, beer, freedom or something like that. And he's like, um it's the biden crime family is stealing the election the biden crime family is stealing the election give us our freedom our freedom to the world Silly. and he just walks off Silly. and then like the other guy's like okay well back to what we were talking about i'm like that's crazy because i'm like you can say biden stealing the election but a mob of people threatening like vote count vote counters in detroit like one of the blackest cities is not voter suppression they literally have caught like three armed white trump supporters coming to uh election coming to polls threatening people literally with guns being like who are y'all voting for they broke up a whole bunch of white um, organizations on fucking Discord on the week leading up to today. Mm-hmm. So I know shit crazy shit. I know for a fact I was at the um, the the gun store the other day. Um, and, and Ooh, flex, flex. Nah, nah. It's not a flex. It's a scary story because the people in there were talking about the election and basically, basically being like, hey, man, you better load up. <laughs> like, so I know shit is going crazy. I know shit is going know what the gun laws are like in pittsburgh but i may have to just make that move considering how red it is yo man it's your second amendment right go get him one no i've always wanted when i was 20 when i turned 22 i always wanted to buy a gun i just like i live with nine people 
I don't need one right now. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like unlikely that that would happen. But okay. if I live alone, I may as well just go get a gun. Like I'm from Georgia. I've gone gun shooting like when I was since I was 18. In the okay. state of Maryland, you can't have a, a, a cannabis card and also a gun license at the same time. What? Um, That's so weird. Well, yeah. it's black. It's not even weird. It's just anti-black. It's for black people. Yeah, it's 100% for black people. <laughs> So it's like you have to you have to surrender one when you get the other. So I'm like debating. I'm like I kind of want a cannabis card, at least a medical card, but can't get one and get a gun license. But also, Maryland gun laws are really, really, really strict. Like this isn't the South. This isn't Texas. It's like they're not giving every nigga a gun license. Yeah, I feel like in the North it's mad strict. I was like, if I was still living in North Carolina or Georgia, I just could walk to the gun store, get myself a little gun. North is crazy. Look, you got to go to your local precinct. Then they got to send you the form. And then you got to sign the form, bring it back to the precinct. Then they got to file it. And then you got to get... I don't know. Actually, I think I'll just stick with a knife. I don't even know if I'm that handy with a gun. <laughs> it's a knife. It's a knife now. It's a knife. Let me just stick with like a blade or something. Something that's handheld. All right. So uh, so our official first segment, we got to jump right into it, which is the ghetto. But it, it it's about the election. Um, And so we're kind of talking about like what our takes on the election are. Um, we can have hot takes on the election. Um, so do, so, uh, uh, do I, anyone, one of y'all want to give your hot take uh, from the election so far? Yeah, I'll give a hot take. Uh, I used to think that the argument that third parties pull away from the main candidates and take crucial votes away kind of meant, kind of had some value. I was checking out, anyone know here know who Joe Jorgensen is? Just figured out who she was. The Green Party. The last two days, she's from the Green Party. Her election numbers are polling terrible. All third parties. I want to give a shout out to our uh, our black brother and Kanye West for getting sixty thousand national votes combined. You know, it sounds like an album sales number. It doesn't really sound like a vote number for legitimate politics. Not even a good album sales number. Yeah, it sounds like uh, an album for like a, a a a shitty artist that used to have good music and now makes like that was weird like when religious music. Those are- those are the numbers that Robin Thicke had trying to get Paula back. <laughs> exactly. Those are definitely the Paula album numbers. Uh, he has officially conceded, which, you know, congratulations to him and his like three months of running and millions yeah, of dollars right. wasted. I hope he's played, paid his staff because there were reports coming out last month that he has not paid his staff a single dollar. Also has not raised any money at all. It's all like debt that he's given from his companies. So hopefully that doesn't come out any kind of lawsuit shit. But yeah, hot take is third parties really don't do shit. It didn't really affect his election at all. Joe Jorgensen really had no uh, no real, uh, I guess, platform of supporters to really come out and support her. Even when I was driving up to the polling location or in the car in the polling location, you don't see any of her supporters out there. You don't see a lot of signs. I was just wondering, like, is this as the, the Trump just ruined a third party mechanism now? It's like either you have to be super, super far left, super, super far right can't really be a weirdo no you can't be be. far left you have to be moderate left which is basically like moderate conservative to be honest like you can't be far left because i feel like the left well this is probably going into my hot take the left has just or the far left or whatever has just been beat the fuck up this whole election but i want to specifically speak on non-voters specifically non-black voters one i think y'all overhype that as a threat like black non-voters because if this election showed anything black people have shown up and show out each and every time like and 
and vote as a unit like on time every time and the way that black people and specifically have been emotionally bullied into voting like the way y'all fucking took like us for granted but then also like the way you campaign to us in comparison to these like white people you've been trying to flip these white conservative people who voted trump that you flipped is fucking ridiculous and how dare you and fuck y'all forever trying to make black people feel bad trying to negotiate as a voting unit to have things done for us i feel like this election everyone was like shut up and vote like or vote and or die and it was just like after this like are we act because like biden is already talking like we need to like quell divisions like the other side isn't our enemy da, da, da. and i was like you've been talking about how they're blatant white supremacy and fascist and xyz you've seen the huge rise in violence against black people during this presidency which you use to campaign off of us with this vote or die segment so if you're fucking trying to act like everything's hunky-dory and like shit is finally mended via your election go fuck yourself like i want actual meaningful sustainable change for black people because we've shown up and showed out each and every fucking time and we've been bullied to vote even when we didn't fucking have to like i didn't want to vote if i didn't have the family that i had i would not have voted yeah, I think uh, to your point, Nadia, I think that sometimes voters forget that as a transactional experience with voting, right? That's just like, you don't, you're not just required to just constantly invest into this process and wait till they do something nice for you, right? Like you're supposed to hold these politicians accountable. And that's just what I want people to remember uh, after this election is that like your vote is a representation of you holding certain politicians accountable and not just choosing somebody who's, who you feel like represents your values. It's a bargaining chip. And the fact that people were making black people feel bad for like wanting to withhold their bargaining chip or feeling like they need to negotiate or feeling like, no, I have the right to not exercise this vote is it's fucking ridiculous. Like fucking Amanda Seals dumbass was talking about people who don't want to vote are being apolitical and you can't do that. And to quote W.E.B. Du Voice, da, da, da. and I'm like, first of all, bitch, W.E.B. Du Voice had a whole like a whole article out about why he wasn't going to vote in the middle of the civil rights era about why he wasn't. So like, that's the wrong nigga to quote, first of all. Second of all, people aren't doing it to be apolitical. They're doing it because they're fed up. Like this candidate is milk toast. Like I don't believe in a Biden Harris like ticket. And maybe Devon will have a more optimistic spin on it because I understand Devon's point of like maybe it's setting up for the next one. I just don't believe that shit. <laughs> that's a nice segue Nadia thank you for yes. instantly shitting on my optimist I'm sorry you're the you're the optimist I'm the nihilist like put that's like, just put it like this I'm not going to say that Biden Harris ticket is the way to something good or something okay something it's it's the way to freedom or anything like that but I do think that uh a sub point is better than the status quo b sub point the plans that they have said that they will put into action or at least try to put into action seem not that bad Healthcare, not that bad. Foreign policy, not that bad. Climate change, not that bad. Um, criminal justice, not that bad. And there's a lot of things that I think that we can improve. Criminal justice, not that, not that bad. Like their policies, their plan, they, they, they want to do. They want to pro police. They're they're qualified immunity. They want qualified immunity. They want to ban chokeholds. 
They want to uh, produce a, a national database of police officers so that nigga can't get fired one state and go to the next state and shoot another nigga. Like these things are good changes. I, I'm like they're wasn't, they're positive. Wasn't New York already had a chokehold ban and that didn't really do anything? They didn't I, have a ban on chokeholds. There's no national. That's, ban that's what I was asking. Uh, There's I no mean, national ban on chokeholds. That's the issue. Right. And like that, and the Eric Garner Act led to a ban on chokeholds. Oh, can I can I ask you a question? Yeah. So when you like when you hear some of these like new criminal justice policies, like how do you how do you grade that on the scale of believing them and trusting them with a history? Because I hear all of that. I say it all it all sounds cool. But thinking of Nadia's point, right, it just seemed kind of like those were their bargaining chips. So it's yeah. like, what stops them from pulling those chips back like after they win and just continue like their just history? Their I think they seem very on... on the side of the police as opposed to really like exactly. I think it depends on the chip. It depends on which chip you're talking about. So for example, I think ending qualified immunity is an ultimate good. I don't think there's anything bad about ending qualified immunity because it literally is the the one thing in the law that has prevented police officers from being held accountable for shooting black people is one of the things that has caused mm -hmm. most cases to get thrown out because of qualified immunity only like 0.6 percent of police shooting cases see the court floor so that in and of itself is a good thing the national database i think is also a decent thing because i think it produces a discussion about like the fact that darren uh will wilson could get fired in one place and then go to another place and then shoot another nigga like proves that the need for a database i'm not saying that the database is a fix-all but I'm saying it's a it's a it's, it's a necessary thing. The ending chokeholds, I think, is kind of like a no brainer. I, I, low key, I feel like it's one of those things. Like, why is that allowed? Like, why are we? Yeah. Why is that a thing? And so <laughs> for me, it's all about which chip you bargaining with, and is it a bargaining chip or does it happen? If they actually end qualified immunity, for me, that's the ultimate good. Period. I have no negatives about ending qualified immunity, and I and I and I and I'm hard pressed to find one, honestly. Um, I, so I, I really I, it, it depends on which one it is. No, I agree with that. My thing is like, correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't been following the congressional half. Um, is the is the House and the Senate getting flipped? The so Democrats got some seats in the House. The Senate didn't look like it changed much, Loki. The Senate didn't. I feel like the House is what really needs because that's where Republicans really be doing damage. The House, but yeah, I I guess I'm the thing is like in a world where if the Republicans still have a stronghold and they already, the Democrats weren't very good at preventing that uh, Supreme Court nomination from going through, it's just like, is Biden about to start packing the Supreme Court? Like, I just don't know how he's gonna do it. I don't really trust it. And so also I'm not a hundred percent sure on foreign, like foreign relations because Biden was also a part of a very aggressive foreign policy with Obama. Not com comparable to Trump's foreign policy? I mean... Trump just bombs Trump, countries arbitrarily. But I, under Obama. I understand that, but he's able to do that because of the sophisticated network that the Obama administration set up. Like, Obama may have not been bombing people quote-unquote randomly, but Obama was using the most drone strikes out of anyone in the history of presidencies. Like, Obama was drone striking niggas everywhere. Like, there's, it's like a known fact. Like, Obama was very aggressive foreign policy-wise. And, and the only it. way, it's the same with ICE, too. It's like a lot of the things that Trump's able to do very recklessly is because of the sophisticated network that the Obama administration set up. 
I think in these instances, nuance matters like a mug, right? So, like, yes, those networks existed with Obama's presidency, but first thing is Trump destroyed hella of those networks with his aggressive foreign policy. The America First was a policy that Trump produced, and America First literally was like, fuck our allies and fuck our ties. Pulling out of Paris Accords, literally shit on our international agreements. We're about to pull out of the United Nations. We pulled out of the WHO. We're like, we bomb other nations' military leaders. We literally get got to a trade war with China while China is one of the most booming economies internationally. The difference between Obama's foreign policy or potentially Biden's foreign policy and Trump's foreign policy is that Trump's America first is par excellence American exceptionalism to a fault that excludes and like literally puts its markets secondary. So while I think that America, like Obama is not like a anti-war or like a any type of like peace president at all, or I don't, and I don't think Biden will be that. I don't think that he, I do, I do think that they are different from Trump and that Trump is a hardcore. I think I'm almost out of time, but I just want to say quickly that nuance for me, I'm still skeptical because what you're listing is the ways that he's damaged relationships with the rest of the global North or, or, um, quote unquote, first world nations like China. And I'm talking about the global South. I'm talking about the relationship with Africa, with South America, with um, fucking um, uh, the Middle East. I'm talking about like areas designated within the global South, like Obama and Biden were terrible to those nations, like truly shitty. I think the difference is that Obama and Biden, I think saying that they're shitty, I think lacks a certain amount of nuance because it does look at drone strikes, but it doesn't look at aid. Because foreign aid in this instance matters. And I think it, Trump's policy towards it was like, fuck you. Whereas Obama's policy was towards a lot of nations was not that. Like, like a lot of aid networks have been cut because of Trump. And so like, I can agree, like there's military actions that like Obama and Biden should be held accountable for. But like, to say that like Trump is better for those nations I didn't say Trump is better. Me critiquing, that's like one of my frustrations with the Biden, like with the Democrats. Me critiquing you is not an endorsement of Trump. Like that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm I'm attempting to hold, and that's why I don't believe in these accountability talks because anytime I'm trying to hold the Democrats, particularly Biden and Obama accountable, y'all immediately spin it to where I'm supporting Trump. That's not what I'm saying. Wait, hard pause, do not put me in y'all. I'm not Obama. Well, that's what you literally said. I just said, I just said, I just said. I was trying to say pro-Trump. I'm not doing that. I just said, I'm making a nuanced difference between America first as a policy and Obama-Biden as a policy. I'm sorry, like that, the the bar is in hell at that point. Like you're comparing him to an obvious madman. Like that's ridiculous. He was the option. He was the other option. I think, I think that, I think that, I think that part of the, I think that part of what what I feel like what I'm interpreting a lot of Nadia's criticism as is like I feel like part of the problem is the two party system where we feel like we anytime there's a comparison there has to be like a direct one other person comparison to that person. Like when I'm thinking of of like every time I do agree like every time you criticize a Democrat they're just like what about Trump what about Trump what about Trump I think that's a problem with like the American political system itself though just like you can never really it's always the problem of precedent every single time because. I agree with Nadia. Obama's like uh, international policies are fucking terrible, and a lot of those um, those drone strikes were what you would crack categorize as random, right? Like to hospitals, to people, innocent people, right? People who had like where he was just wrong over and over again 
with intelligence he thought he he was receiving, right? He just killed innocent, innocent thousands of innocent people over like an eight year period. So I do think a lot of that has to be talked about that Joe Biden is also from the era of politicians being hard on international law, right? Joe Biden's an older Democrat. He's not like a new AOC version Democrat. He's like an old school, like, he's kind of almost like the, the Trump, like America first. He's just more like, he'll talk about the, the, the alliances, but when it comes to like, like, head, like hegemony and shit, he's very like hard press. He's not like a, like a, like a soft hegemony type of guy. But I always think that, I do think that's the problem with American politics though, in general, it's just like, I was constantly being like, can we look at these people's history in criminal justice and then grade them through their history instead of grading them through like what they're telling us? Cause people are going to tell you a lot of shit, but it's like the only way that we're able to like figure out who's lying and figure out what to believe is based off of like your recent history. And every time I would bring up like Biden and Kamala's like recent shitty history in criminal justice, people are always like, oh, do you think Trump will be better? And it's just like, why do black people always get forced into like less of two evils? Why can't there be like any positive bright side from a candidate we, that we want to choose? Like, oh, do you want to pick this dragon or do you want to pick the bigger dragon with more fire? It's just right. like, well, I would prefer neither dragon in this situation. But since you're like forcing me into a box, I got to figure out how I want to die, right? Do I want to die slower because a shittier dragon or die immediately because like the big fast dragon, you know, but it's like, I feel like that's an American politics problem too, in general. You can never criticize the Democratic Party and not be like a weird libertarian or a Trump supporter. Or be too left and be socialist and shit. Yeah, just, and then you're not taken seriously and you're infantilized like you're a dummy who's not in, living in the real world, not directed at you, just in general. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because it's like, oh, you don't want to vote? What do you think? This is like the 60s? Black people are choosing not to vote for political reason? That clearly did not work. And it's like, what Nadia is talking about, like being a voter in Georgia, it's like they've been voting for a decade, like consistently, like showing out to national votes, national polls, and nothing has happened. What do you tell those people when they bring up like that example? You're going to tell them it's not working and you're going to use the same kind of framework there? Bet you won't. And tell them we live in the real world. Like da 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 da. This is your fault if you don't do X Y Z. Like shut the fuck oh, that's up. That's silly. That's silly. I also think that voting don't really change structures, but that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, I also I believe that. They don't change the world, and that's the thing that I feel like is something that is, overhype the vote. Yeah, it's a long conversation that has to go into like just because you voted Biden Harris doesn't mean that like the world is better. Like it just. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm concerned that Biden and Harris are going to ride on that. Like, when it's time to do what all of these, like, what Angela Davis, what Cornell West, what all of these kind of thought leaders have been saying to campaign for them, which is like, we can push them more. We can force them to go with what we want. Da, 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 da. I feel like they won't, and they'll just be like, but we saved you from Trump. Like, they're going to be riding on that. Like, this is our job. This is how we saved y'all in terms of helping Black people. I'm going to pray that because of... I and then here's my optimism again on the pessimistic Nadia, right? I'm going to pray that niggas have a different attitude towards the political where now it's like hardcore, what are you doing for? Like, what have you done for me lately? I know you don't think it's going to happen, Nadia. I just, I pray that because I think that even the conversation around voting now, there's so much counter voting narrative where it's like, why are you forcing me to vote? And like, that's not just going to fix things. And we need to be on the ass. And it can't stop here. And so I'm just going to, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a put my eggs in the basket of, and, and then of course my basket might crack, that we, we keep the pressure on them up. 
Like we, we keep the pressure on the, our political leaders to lead and cause the changes that actually benefit our communities. And like, it might not happen, but I think that, you know, maybe if we put the pressure on them, it might be positive for us. Here's the thing, Devon, I would love to be wrong. You know what I mean? I'll sing whatever you want, you know, Diana Ross, Stevie Wonder, Michael J, any song you want. Like if I'm wrong, like I would love being wrong. That would be great. I'll sing, can you feel a brand new day? I would love to be like that. But just from my observations, just the way niggas was acting, even in response to that counter, like rhetoric towards voting. Like, I'm just like, it's better for me to not delude myself with any false hope and be pleasantly surprised than like shockingly wrong. And I just don't believe that shit. Ditto, ditto. Cause I also think like whenever Devon's like, well, this can mean that maybe not this Joe Biden president, maybe not this Joe Biden presidency, but down the road will open the doors for a, a new type of president. I'm like, what if that it- happens? What, what if someone throws down like a Yu-Gi-Oh reverse card and that happens, but it happens to the Republicans? Absolutely. It's going to be an emotional swing where it's like they're going to choose someone who's policy wise like Trump, but more stable. They're just going to have like mm. a Pence type of motherfucker run after Biden. But with some I'll charm, with some charm I'll and personality. I'll give my unpopular opinion of who I think is going to be the presidential candidate in 20, 2024. I think it's already kind of in the car. It's 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 Kanye West, twenty twenty four. He's gonna pull a cleave, a Grover Cleveland. He can well, no, for, not, not for Republicans, for for Democrats. I don't think I don't think Joe Biden will be run. I think Joe Biden has ran on a campaign of being a quote unquote transitional president. So oh, he's gonna be old. He's gonna be like eighty two. I think, I think he knows he knows he's too old, so he's not gonna run again. So I think it's gonna be either a the Democratic platform shifts to Kamala. Or B, it shifts to the, the the Kanye dude, West, the dude who lo- who lost actually the his his senator race or his his, uh, his uh, con- congressional race in South Carolina yesterday. Jamie Harrison, look out, Jamie Harrison. He a lot of people compare him to Obama, and I think Rep- Democrats have this weird like Obama fetish. Like I mean, yeah, because he's uh he's one of those Negro liberals. He's gonna toe the party line and stay with the establishment and do what they want to do. Like they're not gonna get any of these new like lefter Democrats who are getting loved. Like they're not gonna get that foursome, and they're not even like that extreme. But even them, like they're gonna if they ran, they would be pushed out like Bernie is. Like they're not gonna get that genre of the left running. I don't out. think that genre of the left will ever have political light until like 2032, 2036, maybe another 10, 15 years down the line, but not no time soon. I don't know. They're going to get pushed out. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we can pause right here. All right. We'll be back Take with more of TBH. Okay, y'all. Welcome back to To Be Honest. This is Nadia, aka Face Beat. Back with Devon, aka Murph McGirt, and Nate, aka Wallflower. We're getting into our second segment of Who's Lying? I'm going to be taking the role of moderator and we're going to be discussing, you know, rappers who are endorsing uh, presidents or in this election. So Devon, our, our actor, will be taking on the role of Little Wayne endorsing yeah. Trump. Hello, little Wayne. Um, and Nate will be taking on the role of two chains uh, endorsing Biden. So 
Let's start with little Wayne. What's good, Shouty? Hello, DJ. Uh, let's start with little Wayne. Recently, you've been making a lot of Twitter headlines. You know, breaking a lot of hearts when you recently took that picture with Donald Trump endorsing him. So I just wanted to know, like, what's going on in your head, nigga? What strand you were smoking? What was up with that? Well, I always smoke the loudest, if you want to ask me that. But if you ask me about my political aspirations, I met with Donald Trump and I had a good, really good meeting with him. And he asked me some questions about criminal justice reform. He showed me his platinum play. And it made a lot of sense to me. I think it, I think it really was going to give the community real ownership. You know what I mean? And, and I, I've been waiting for a president to listen to what Wayne has to say about the community because I feel like niggas don't listen to Weezy. You know what I'm saying? Niggas respect other niggas. Niggas don't respect Weezy. And I think Trump respects Weezy. He respects the things that I had to say on meeting when I asked him about the platinum plan. So, I mean, the things going through my mind are the things that have been always going through Weezy's mind. If you ask me what I feel about things, I want to work on what's good for community ownership. All right. Well, that's that's thank you for that, uh, Lil Wayne. I mean, who who couldn't listen to someone who made beat it like a cop? Like, of course, of course, that's really understandable. Two chains. I wanted to get your reaction to this photo as someone who's been such a big fan and supporter of Wheezy for a while. So tell me like what your reaction was. The name of that song is Mrs. Officer. Oh, well, I don't care. Go in. To be honest, Shawty, I was pissed. I was really, really pissed. Me and Shawty go back like, like 10, 20 years for real. And I just knew that we just meant more than that. And I just thought about the years that we spent in having conversation, him leading me in my in my institution of rapping, him helping me get to where I'm from, showing me what it means to be a rapper, a businessman, and a success. And honestly, I was ashamed. You know, I'm from the great city of Atlanta, where we make beautiful, beautiful, beautiful trap music. And I just know Trump doesn't stand for us. Trump would lock me up. He would put me back in the trap. So I, don't, I wasn't here for that. I called him. He didn't call me back. I guess he was dealing with some shit. I understand Shawty for that. But at the end of the day, I just wasn't with it. I just wasn't with it. I just want Lil Wayne himself to explain why, Shawty. Why not slide with Biden with me and Jeezy? Me and Jeezy are over with Biden. He's inviting us to the meetings. We feel like ghosts. We're all in the control meetings. We're telling him what we like about our communities. He's asking us about our album, Shawty. We get, he's giving us album critique, Shawty. I he's feel that, Shawty. We got intros, Shawty. Biden intros. We got Kamala giving Biden woo woo in the background of cop cars. That's a Kamala. I, I respect you too, Chase, but I'd like to interject and tell you my opinion. So well, I had a question for you before you, you start, Lil Wayne. Um, you know, and it's in response to that, so you can add in your response later. Yeah. You said that, you know, people weren't listening to what you had to say for your community and stuff Shawty, like that. I was listening, Shouty. Yeah, what? How does it feel to know members of your community feel um, hurt by what you had to say, like not listen to? Well, well I, I, I honestly feel I, I've been separate from the community for some time. I feel like the community not in the same wavelength as way. You know what I mean? Personally, I feel like if it's not connected to me, that I, I honestly don't think it has something to do with me. You know, it, it has to do with my life. I don't feel connected to the Black Lives Matter movement. I've said that for years. I don't feel connected to a damn thing that ain't got nothing to do with me. 
Sorry, that's not right. Sorry, that's not right. Sorry. I will. I will get to you soon, Mr. Shawty. But Lil Wayne, I have a question though. Does that not contradict your point about the community? If you don't feel connected to the community, what gives you the right to advocate? Baby, I still got love and knowledge, baby. That's still my. That's still my hometown, baby. I still care about knowledge, baby. And I, I, I want to see community development, but at the same time, just because the community don't got love for Wayne, don't mean Wayne ain't got love for the community. I'm confused. Do you, you say you want stuff for New Orleans and you want well, look, for look, New Orleans, but you're not connected to New Orleans anymore. You don't live there anymore. Like, why does that, why do you care? If Saudi live in Miami now. I got love for the hood. Black lives do matter. But like Black Lives Matter to everybody. And I just think if we work together with everybody, we can community develop. I would like to get back to that point in a bit. Uh, but I wanted to give the floor to Ch- Two Chains to kind of, you know, discuss his response or reaction to that. Yeah, Shawty. Uh, Weezy's talking a lot about community. And I wanted to be known, Shawty, that I own several businesses in my community. I own Escobar oh, I Restaurant. Both. Why aren't you Wayne, please, you'll get your time. Sorry, I'm a main investor in Escobar Restaurant, which is a Pablo Escobar-themed night lounge in Atlanta, Georgia. If any of y'all want to check that out, on Thursdays we offer free wings. On Fridays we offer a salmon filet. And I just feel like I've been crucial to my community. I give out jobs to my community. I take them out the hood to my community. Shawty, I take my hood all around the world. I help them see things, learn things. I took 10 of the toughest niggas from my hood to meet Joe Biden. And they shook his hand and he looked at them and told them that his chain, that chain, their chains was really nice. And I just think that he talks a lot about community and I feel like everyone knows two chains is really in these communities. I'm 6'8", you see me in these streets. You see how tall I am. You see me representing, you see me and my beautiful black family all over the newspaper doing beautiful black things. And I just feel like, Shawty, I'm disappointed, Shawty. I'm I'm disappointed. You was like a mentor to me, but I'm disappointed. Lil Wayne, what hood niggas did you bring to Trump? I didn't need to bring no hood niggas. Weezy went to Trump. I went and spoke to Trump about his policies for the community. Same way on my podcast, I talked to Fauci about what we should do about COVID. I mean, Weezy cares about the community. And, and and too often they, the community don't listen to what Wayne got to say. But like, listen, listen, Shawty, what you got to say? You keep saying you got to say something, Shawty. What, what you got to say? How do you? I I would love some more clarification on this, uh, Mr. F Baby. Just on like, if you don't care about things that are connected to you, and the community's not connected to you, you said you feel disconnected. How do you then care about the community while the community doesn't care about you? I said, like a contradiction. I said, I said. I said that I feel disconnected from the Black Lives Matter movement because that don't got nothing to do with Weezy. But you said Black black Lives Matter. I'm young, Black, and rich, which means Black Lives do matter. How do you not young no more? Whoa. Oh, that's very true. Honestly, 2 chains. I've been trying to hold back on your bum ass this whole time. (laughs) But your breath stinks. I still remember who you are, Titty Boy. Let's keep it civil. Let's keep it civil, Tony. At least I can count my dreads. Look, 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 look here, Shouty. I without duffel bag boys, you wouldn't be no two chains, Titty Boy. I Shouty, you got two dreads, and they pretty. 
Your dreads look like chicken tenders. Your dreads look like chicken tenders, Shawty. Lots of money. Shout. Look, baby, we can go there if you want to. <laughs> let's let's save this for later after the debate, gentlemen. Let's go back to um to two chains. So how do you feel your endorsement for Biden? is different from Wayne's endorsement of Trump. Do you not feel that you are both in like the same type of position where your celebrity, your black celebrity specifically is just kind of being used as like a prop for them to see who's the most down, quote unquote, as the kids are saying? Well, Shawty, my endorsement of Biden was an endorsement for the people, not just for the people of Atlanta, or the people of the South, but Black people all over the country. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris personally invited Titty Boy 2 Chains, a.k.a. Two Names, to hang out with them and personally talk about things that were going on in my community. And I just feel like that just represents who I am to my people. So no, I don't think I'm just a Black face. I think I'm 6'5". I think I'm very recognizable. I'm wearing 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 chains. It changes constantly, Shout. It changes constantly. I have a question. You know, earlier you mentioned Trump would lock somebody like you up. Would yes. the same not be said about um, Vice President Harris? Shawty, we talked about that. We talked about. I know what you. I knew you were going to ask about that, Shawty. I knew you was going to ask about that. That's why you are a great moderator. You was a great moderator. Thank yeah, you. Shawty, we talked about it. We talked about it straight up. She told me I used. To, I sort of told her I used to sell crack. In my trap to fiend. Some of them were my only family. I was just trying to get that Bentley truck. I was trying to get six, seven, eight, nine, ten chains. And she straight up told me, Hey, look, the programs and legislation I'm setting up, it's gonna prevent uh future two chains from almost ending his life in the criminal justice system anymore. And she looked at me in my six foot eight eyes and shook my hand and complimented my chains. And I knew she was telling the truth. Well, if you can't trust the compliments of a chain, what can you trust? Get um, wait, it was a really I expensive thought, chain. I was hoping that she would compliment it, to be honest. Wait, I would love for you to respond to this. Yeah. Like, do you feel that you, what you are doing and chains are doing are very different? Uh, of course not. Like The way that two chains is talking about is politics. He acts like he had a sit-down conversation about Biden's policies when he didn't. Weezy had a conversation, a sit-down conversation with Donald Trump, asking him about criminal justice, asking him about building up the community. And so, you know, baby, I got mad love and all this. I want to build up the community. And I spoke to Trump about doing those things. And he seems to be on board. He got, he dedicated half a billion dollars to the effort. Half a trillion dollars, excuse me, to the effort. And so, like, for him to try to point out the subtle differences between us is silly because, like, there's not many differences between us. I'm different. I'm different, Saudi. <laughs> I, I, I uh. would like, you know, I have a question that both can answer that I feel is general that gets to the specifics. What policies have you been discussing with them? And, like, what actually been going on in these conversations we'll start with wayne you know that's crazy because this whole time i've been talking about with policies i've been talking about with <laughs> donald trump but it's crazy 
what you said. Can you be more specific? I feel like you're nah, speaking. Nah, like nah, where nah, 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 nah. I'm, yeah, nah, nah. Let me just, I'm going to explain. Just, let me let me just say what I'm about to say about Titty Boy over there. Titty Boy, this whole time, just talking about Biden and shaking hands and saying that Biden like niggas change. Like, that's a policy. That's ridiculous. I was able to talk to <laughs> Weezy. I was able to talk to Donald Trump specifically about his platinum plan for Black America, particularly the sections about criminal justice reform and uh, community development, where he's uh, guaranteed billions of dollars in development of uh, different establishments and giving out grants to Black community members and uh, investing into those and challenging uh i think the language <coughs> is, oh you're all right mr f baby yeah the loud got my throat dry um but um the uh trump's uh platinum plan uh, talks about building communities and neighborhoods with the highest policing standards expanding school choice and improving economic opportunity for black people, which if you not for black freedom, I don't, I, I don't know how you can't get behind that. <laughs> well, I guess I'm confused on the expanding uh, police protection, given that there seems to be an antagonistic relationship forming between the police and black people. Like, I know you well, said I don't mean, the Black Lives Matter. I, I mean, we can't, it's not like we can't have police, right? Like, niggas be tripping. Why would you not have police? Chorus, who else would you beat it like Rodney King with? I mean, I didn't, I mean, <laughs> I did beat it like a cop. <laughs> anyway, with Chains, follow up. What is specific, Mr. Chains, what specific well, policies have been happening? Specifically, we talked about his response to Donald Trump's platinum plan, and it's called Joe's Rose Gold Platinum Plan. And it talks a lot of the things that (laughs) (laughs) it talks a lot about building the community. Right. And specifically, I talked to Joe about my idea for a new music program for urban youth. We're going to take kids out the youth, literally remove the crack out their pockets count up the amount of crack and that's how many credits they get in our music studio so joe liked the idea he shook my hand and i want to respond to this wheezy talking about this change bullshit i understand that he thinks that a cosign of one's chain being attractive isn't a whole lot isn't a real cosign of one's character but my name is two chains it is my name someone complimenting my chains is them complimenting the essence of who i am your name is city boy it's two chains, two names. Yeah, I got two chains. But Kamala Harris complimenting my name and complimenting my chains was a cosign of her unity within the urban community. So we talked a lot about that. It was really, it was, it was an amazing conversation. I wish you were there, moderator. You would have loved it. There was vibes there. I played a lot of my music. She really likes that 4 a.m. song with Travis Scott. Really went up. She likes the Migos, you know, apparently. Mm, well, you know, please don't speak for me, but I wanted no, to. No, you just should have been that, Shawty. You, you didn't enjoy yourself, Shawty. Mm, being out and about in Atlanta right now, it's a little too hot. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. But 
you know, I want to end this with a final question to Wayne. Now that the numbers are coming in and it seems like one more state and it's a Biden victory, do you feel regret if there's a possibility of Trump not being elected and the damage being done within your community? Um, how do you feel you would react to a Trump loss and how would you navigate a Trump loss? Would navigate it the same way I've navigated all circumstances in my career. You know what I mean? I've had a long career full of ups and downs, and I think this is just going to be part of that and long emotional roller coaster. But I think, you know, uh, even if Biden gets elected, and I think it's kind of close, but I think if Biden does get elected, hopefully he invites uh, Wheezy. And uh, and to talk about his plan for uh, communities like Nolens and other black communities around the country, I mean, because <clears throat> remember, Weezy that baby cares about niggas. Not saying, not that you know, it's not black. Life. I mean, that movement is bullshit, man. It's it's a way to incite violence, and it shoots down the cops. That we need them, right? I feel like a lot of your music has also inspired that. Like, like what? When I said that I beat it like a cop? No, just like the block is hot. Like, I feel like if you're a go- niggas is goons, you're a goblin. Like, what happened to that energy? I mean, I am a goblin. I, I don't know how I ever changed because Wheezy is Wheezy. Yeah, baby, and that is so phenomenal. I just, I never changed. Not for fascist? What you said? Is Weezy F Baby not for fascist? Phenomenal as a PH. I'm not really sure what the word fascist means, but I'm pretty sure it's a negative by your tone. And I I, I don't think that's what Weezy stands for. I think Weezy stands for good things for the community. Um, whatever you say, F Baby, whatever you say. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I think that concludes the debate. Um, much like me with voting, I don't really want to vote for either of you. I feel like both of you are real puppets um, that are just there to but be. Shawty, who's a, who's a more put together puppet, Shawty? Did you see that sweater in that picture? Look at Titty Boy. Much like my reaction to this debate, I'm going to begrudgingly vote for two chains because anyone who trusts Birdman cannot be trusted to make political decisions for the community. What does that have to do with the debate, Shawty? Ask Birdman about it. I'm Titty Boy and I'm two chains. Yeah, I got two names. Four rings and one chain, LeBron James. All right. See y'all. That was a great uh thank you, Devon, for your wonderful impressions. Real uh, G's moving Zion is like lasagna. Oh, I have one final question for my guests. Are you gonna do another collab art album? After this, to be honest, Shawty, and what would it be called? I think it would be called Shawty something like Bethabos Worlds or from the other side for real, Shawty. Because I think the the friendship is still there for real, for real. We don't want politics to fuck with our friendship. Yeah, we both from the same cloth. Yeah, we family. You know, it's deeper than than the politics for me and and Titty. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean you're both it, it still goes back time. So I guess I that mean it's never, it's deeper than that. Never you, stop you, that. You, you sound like a hater, and you mad that we some duffel bag boys, and that's okay. 
Um, but we, I think, uh, I think, I think, I actually, I actually think that uh, we'll call the 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 mixtape uh, the duffel bag men. Um, I think, <laughs> like now we're, we're the duffel bag men. I think the subtitle can be like money, money trumps politics. That's beautiful. All right, y'all, we're gonna take a break before we get into our final segment. This is Nadia. Thank you, Devon and Nate, for your outrageous performances. Yago. Yo, yo, yiggity yo. Welcome back to TVH. I'm your boy, Devon, aka Murph McGirt. We here with Nadia Face Beat and Nate Wallflower. So um, this is our unpopular opinion segment of the show. Um, and um, kind of in line with elections, but not really. But our popular opinion this time is about uh, Halloween costumes um, because you know we miss Halloween. Um, so I'll go first because I'm already talking, um, and then I'll pass the mic to uh, one of my co-hosts. But my favorite Halloween costume—I don't know if you saw this—but um, the McCloskey family, which was the St. Louis school that um, when they were protests uh, following um, the murder and their protests, they came outside with the guns. As the white family came outside with the guns, it was a black couple uh, that did that as a costume, as, a, as like a meme. Um, and they had like toy guns. They had the same fit. The dude had like a beard on. It it perfect, perfect. Like hysterical, in my opinion. Um, but what the issue with that is, is a unique form. Well, first of all, it memorializes the McCloskeys, which I think they should be forgotten in history. It should be a moment in history where we erase their 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 notoriety, erase their fame, and, and if anything, they should be destroyed in their population at a standstill in the middle of a fucking pandemic, which we'll come back to in like 10, 15 years from now and see the meme and think about that moment where people walking past the house in March or in the middle of a pandemic. Black people are still the, the center of violence. You know what I'm saying? So while that is a funny ass costume, shouts to that, folks. I just think we need to pick and be inter- and be 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 careful about what our costumes memorialize. Because I think in this moment, um, not just in this moment, but period, like we need to move away from memorializing Black trauma. And I think uh, I think uh, both Nate and Nadia agree. So I'm gonna pass them. Yeah, um, I think for me, I have a my issue specifically is not just like the memorialization, but the memification of like black trauma or black pain or black violence. Like, um, for me, like I get the humor and the popular talking point laugh to keep from crying. But at some point, like, it's necessary to cry or give space for crying or grief because this is a grievous situation. Like, I'm like, what is lost when we are just constantly laughing? It reminds me of, like, thinking about Frederick Douglass's autobiography and talking about Aunt Hes- his Aunt Hester's screams when she's being, like, beaten by the master and how those screams are never really registered as pain and I feel like for a lot of black people's pain it's never registered unless through the medium of humor and the costume that I want to talk about which I thought was just super fucked up I think epitomizes that issue or that problem that Aunt Hester Scream discusses like so this couple 
decided to dress up as Meg the Stallion and I I've erased his name but that little demon midget man uh, who shot her like recreating the shooting of Meg the Stallion like her foot's bleeding there's a gun pointed to her foot and it's supposed to be like haha isn't that funny like it's supposed to be like a joke and I feel like it's the other side of the coin with the white costume like I'm like there's a point where enough is enough like some shit just ain't funny and people now just think everything's a meme everything's a joke everything is okay and it's always usually directed towards like black pain and I'm just like when do we get a chance to actually sit in our pain actually react to our pain that's not just laughing it off or holding it in or brushing it to the side because I think that's what's at stake when we constantly meme everything it's what happened to Breonna Taylor it's what's happening to Meg it's what's happening with the McCluskey's like always with blackness there is no reverence for the dead or dying and I just think that's an issue and that's like an impediment to how we solve those problems I'm gonna pass it to Nate Yeah, I would agree with a lot of that. I think it has, uh, I think my bad costume is a really good example of what you were talking about, Nadia. It's not really a costume, it's a house design. I don't know where this family was from, but there was a graveyard idea, but on each of the graveyards in front of these people's homes, it was a victim of police brutality. The number one graveyard, which was the biggest one, I guess, just to be topical, which is really weird that people are thinking about that for Halloween ideas was Breonna Taylor's graveyard, gravestone. It was like the biggest one. It was flashing. I think there was like lights or some shit attached to it. And I think it's just a really shitty idea for a lot of reasons. I think Devon and Nadia talk about, I won't repeat a lot of the reasons they talk about, but I think they apply here, right? It's like this normalization of Black suffering, this humorization of Black suffering, where it's like, we're thinking of Halloween ideas. We're thinking of how we can be topical. We think of, wow, like, Black people are being killed by the police and people are talking about that nationally. Why not make that like, a, why not show that type of activism in, in front of our front lawn and combine it with like the humor that's naturally in Halloween. But I think the, also the problem is that uh, this is kind of where like internet activism has become where people just like, part of it is like, of course that people who release it want, wanted people to see it, wanted to get clicks and they'll tell you that they wanted people to uh, see it and get clicks so it can bring attention to some of the, um, some of the, the, the murders of black people that have happened by police, right? But a lot of it is really just so you can seem like you're just like the, the more topical person on the day, you can get the most Halloween shares, right? Like your house seems the most creative. And I think that kind of cross applies with the suffering that all those people have to go through in their like last minutes of, li- of, of life. It just seems like fucked up at the end of the day. And I guess I get the sentiment of being like, I want to constantly remind people about this Breonna Taylor situation. But even before there's been, um, articles about what happens when we have these uh these arrests of the, the cops who killed Breonna Taylor memes when it just becomes like a like a like a in thing to do on the internet to share but like no one's really investing in like the second level of giving a fuck about anything which is like actually like knowing the names of the officers and knowing when the trial starts and knowing like whether or not um, people are acute, uh, people are being charged with first degree murder or second degree murder, knowing the differences in the penalties, which is like the second level of shit. But 
everyone just wants to share these like articles of being like, oh, you like ice cream? Opens to me. Arrest the cops who uh, killed Breonna Taylor. It was like, I guess that's cool, but it just doesn't really serve to to do anything, but just have people just go in that loop. And I just kind of feel like what this house design reminded me of, of people just uh, using these people's names for, I don't want to say clout, but just for uh, activism credit. Yeah, that's clout, activism credit, clout, however you want to see it. And nothing really happens. I don't think these people get this approved by the families. I don't think they ask the families if it's an okay thing for them to do because the, I guess the families are the biggest interest in this. So, so like we care about them as black people because it could be us. But these people are people who have loved ones, fa- children, wives, husbands, partners, siblings. So why not ask them if this is an okay thing for you to do to put their uh, their loved one's name on a on a, a weird tombstone on Halloween um, around other people who've been killed in the same way they were killed. But no one does that, right? We don't think about those things. We just think of, oh, there are black people being killed. I'm a black person. Why not do that? But I just think I would encourage people to do that second level of analysis rather than just optics, optics, optics. You know, everything is just visual. Yeah, exactly. It's like really frustrating what I've been thinking of a lot this year. It's just like black death is not a decoration. Black abuse, abuse of black people is not a meme. Like, Black terrorization is not a costume. Like, none of this shit is, like, would ever even be thought to apply to other people. Like, you never see a, like, Jewish house with decorations that are, like, members of the Holocaust or something like that. Like, you won't see that shit. Like, you don't see, like, you know, if if missing and murdered Indigenous women happen, you won't see Indigenous communities making a meme out of that person or whatever, which isn't to be like, oh, these communities are doing it better than Black communities. It's just to say there is a particular reverence that's given to non-Black people who are facing forms of terror, of trauma, of oppression that is not given to Black people that I think is a problem. Like, people just think that black dead are like props to use for their own ends like that are always supposed to be good because you know you're keeping their name alive but how are you keeping that name alive like because i would haunt you if i was one of these names don't ever fucking do that shit with me and my image that's mine not yours like and so for me it's just like there's a lack of reverence or care that we give to our dead or dying that i think needs to change it's not a fucking me yeah i think it's it's kind of sad because i think it's just the the way that different traumas exist because i think like if i put it on on the spectrum for how like indigenous folks or indigenous trauma exists like indigenous trauma usually exists in the realm of disappearance right like mm-hmm. their trauma is just disappeared it is erased it is like it's like 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 the 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 myth that like Native American people only exist on reservations in Oklahoma. Like you don't know it, right? Like Native American niggas in your community, like them niggas is just gone, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but black trauma, the opposite is like hyper visibilized. It's like mm-hmm. you know that nigga died. It's right? present to the His murder, like you saw Amar Arbery's murder. You know his name. You watched him die. You were confirmed. You confirmed George Floyd's death. You can go on YouTube and watch him die over and over and over again and share it on your timeline. And shit, everybody else will share it on your timeline because black death, for some reason, is hyper visibilized. 
And so like that reverence that we want, that Nadia wants, so, like I just, that, that, that hyper-visualization will always deny that shit. And like, usually I'm an optimistic voice on the podcast, which is funny to me, but in context of the way black trauma is seen in this world, I'm extremely pessimistic because I think the world depends on, it's a necessity for this world to exist. Like mm-hmm. the, the, it's to have these black trauma pieces that can be talking points for politicians, not just for politicians, but also for governments to gain legitimacy. And there's a long list of ways in which that happens. But I just think that the hyper-visibilization that is afforded or accredited to black death is something that other communities cannot attain to. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. Other trauma does not exist in the same way. Like you don't see your community, like you don't see niggas that look like you or look like your family or look like your cousins or look like your father or look like your uncle or look like your mama or look like your sister or look like a nigga that you just went to school with or a nigga that's on your block or the nigga that's at the corner store that, that get murdered. And you see a nigga like that every fucking week. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It, 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 and at this point, like, and, and, the, and the proximity of it to you is insane. Like, and when it happens to you, it happens to your community, it's insane. And it's like, you got to keep reliving it. Like, I know people that live in communities where cops happen and shot, sh- shootings have happened and they won't go back. It's like, I'm good. Yeah, right? no. it's like, something got to change. Something got to get. It's like Black death happens in such, like, spectacularly ridiculous ways. Like, you're asleep Crazy. and cops shoot but it's just at the same time what you're saying just every day just quotidian just like normal or necessity mundane (laughs) mundane it's like (laughs) yeah like even george floyd which people were like oh like this one is just like hits different it's like niggas were making tiktok challenges off of him like that's but, how mundane they made it. Rihanna Taylor is such a regular commonplace name now. And it's sick. It her name is commonplace because of her murder. Not because yeah. of her accomplishments. It's not like Shorty you know went to grad school or something or did something great. Well, she was even she was like she was a, a responder for COVID. Like she was a big like thing for her community and she's not even remembered for that's that. what I'm saying. That's not why we know her name. We know her name because she was murdered. We know her name because she was murdered. And that's sick. And it's every day. Her name is an everyday name that every American knows right now. And it's just, yeah. And they just use it as commodity for likes, for right. Etsy sales, for like just to get out of arguments where niggas are telling them they're Don't even get me on Etsy sales. Don't even get me on Etsy sales. Because you know, I, you know, so Babe got this, uh, I ain't going to put a name, but she got this ancestors touch shit and this, this candle business. And so because of that, I look at other candle businesses just because I look at competitors. And you you see these businesses selling candles with George Floyd, Sandra, Sandra Bland, and, and Mike Brown name and face on them. How dare you? How fucking dare you put our ancestors and, and people whose bodies have literally been destroyed by the state and by anti-Black violence on a candle and burn it? How dare you make profit off of that trauma? Shame on you. If that's what your business model is, shame on you. Period. Fuck you. Like, it's crazy because I'm the nice one. (laughs) I know. I'm the nice one. This topic brought brought the dark side out of. Because this shit is is crazy to me. How dare you? How dare you sell a candle for $35 with George Floyd's face on it? 
or even that that jewelry making couple those people the glass from the uh charlottesville riots yeah jewelry from the glass from like protests shame on you named after victims and priced differently like on some slave auction shit what's the name of the company you know the name of the company where their names that's where their names? Hey, where their names? As a company, shame on you. I, I just, swear, I hope somebody you find this podcast. And I honestly, y'all should change your business model because that's the most racist shit you've ever, like. I, shame on you. I, I hope that your company goes bankrupt. I really do. I really, I really hope that your company it, it goes into the ground, and that you that money that you that you that you made off of that trauma gets burnt, and that it goes back into black communities. And that investment, uh, hopefully that you you lose your store and your collateral and your collateral hopefully builds a park in a black community so a little nigga like me can go play basketball. Bitch. Hate your community. All right. I'm yeah. done now. I'm sorry. That shit, it really got it out of me. Yeah, I'm we sorry. Got it so heavy. It's just like, I feel like as funny as we try to make things or as how much we try to make humor and things. That shit not funny. Some shit not yeah, funny. Yeah, some shit's Period. not funny and some shit Period. needs to be having like a serious conversation. So Period. I know our popular opinion may not be our usual brand, but I just think that that's something very important that we should talk about. Period. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I think Nate, did you have anything you wanted to add before we wrapped up? No, I just co-signed all of Devon's statements. If you're a company that's doing any of those business practices, investing in the death of black people simply to make a dollar, I hope your business fails, or you regroup, change every single thing about your business model, become an entirely different person. I know that's personally probably not going to happen, just statistically based on humans are, especially Americans. So I just hope your business probably fails. But of course, not everything Devon says. But thank you all for uh, enjoying another great segment from To Be Honest. I'm your host, Nate Wildflower. This is Devon Murphy, a.k.a. Murph McGirt. Nader Hussein, a.k.a. Face Beat. All right. Have a good week, y'all. Hopefully this shit is over by the time it drops. Let's go, Biden. Let's go.